We're going to be starting a new series today. What do you think of that? Is that exciting? Yeah. Yeah, like, okay. God's Master Plan is going to be our new series. God's Master Plan. And uh, we're going to work through some some big picture stuff. We're going to kind of do the Google Earth deal of what's going on, what the deal is. So let's let's pray and uh, we'll get into that this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here just to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your word and you guide us by your spirit. Lord, bless us today. Help us to grab hold of your truth and help us to take a step forward in serving you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. We sang a Christmas song. How's that? Not too bad, huh? Silent Night is actually one of my favorite songs. Uh, you know, like, independent of Christmas. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Tremendous message. I especially like the fourth verse where it talks about, with the angels let us sing. You know, when, when Jesus showed up, there was a choir of angels that sang to just some shepherds out in a field, which is a kind of a bizarre situation. But a whole host of angels sang. And they were just excited that the Messiah had come and we can sing with them and rejoice that the Savior is born, that we don't have to wait for the Messiah, but the Messiah is here. Um, but this can be a pretty busy season, right? You know, there's uh, there's Christmas decorating. How many people have their trees up? You got your tree up? How many people have work to do yet? Important things. All right, you got your presents bought? Are they wrapped? Oh, we got some. Oh, some people are there. That's sweet. My wife takes care of all of that. If it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have Christmas. Not that I, not that there's anything wrong with Christmas. I'd just never get around to it. And so it's a good thing that she's there. She's sort of enabling in that respect. So that's helpful. Um, but man, you can get caught up in all the stuff of the holidays, right? And miss the things of God, miss the purpose behind it. I mean, this is the Advent season, which then goes into Lent and then hits Easter. This is like the big Christian season right now. You know what Advent means? It means that Jesus showed up. That's what that means. Uh, yeah, I, fig- I learned that. So I did my research. Advent is talking about Jesus coming. And then Lent is the time coming up to Resurrection Sunday. And then, of course, Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Man, that's big stuff. But we don't want to miss the eternal truths because we're needing to wrap our presence, right? We don't want to miss the, the big picture of God's master plan because we're, we're eating sugar cookies. Now, sugar cookies are great, right? Amen. But they shouldn't push God out of our mind and distract us from the things that are most important. Um, I am a huge sugar cookie fan, by the way. And so, that's, I would say that's my favorite. Silent night and a sugar cookie, and I'm good to go. You know? So we don't want to miss the eternal for the superficial. We don't want to miss the things of God for the temporary things. That can happen in so many different ways. 
But we're going to look at God's master plan so that we can get our bearings and see the big picture. Um, if you have a map and a compass, can you, can you get out of a situation where you're lost? Well, if you know where you are on the map, and you know how to read a map, and you know how to use a compass, you're probably in pretty good shape. But if you don't know where you are on the map, even if you know how to use a compass, and you know how to read a map, if you're not sure where you are, you might have trouble figuring out how to get out of there. And so we need to know where we are in the master plan of God to know how to respond properly, how to live for Him properly, how to serve Him in the right ways. And so we are going to, man, look at the big picture. Here's today's question. What is God trying to do? Isn't that an important question? What is God trying to do? Because He's trying to do something, right? I mean, He said, let there be light for a reason. It wasn't because He was bored. He's, he's got a plan. He's trying to do something. What is God trying to do? If we don't get that question right, we're in trouble, right? Here we go. Uh, this, I, and I have the answer. This is, this is not, this is not a rhetorical question. Wow, that's, no, it's not a rhetorical question. There is an answer to that question. And the answer is this. God is trying to establish His kingdom. What is God trying to do? God is trying to establish His kingdom. Now, um, kingdom is super important. Did you know Jesus says the word kingdom in the Bible more than He says the word love? Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God in the Scriptures. Do you know the message of John the Baptist? He had a message that was very simple. That I mean, he had a tough one. You know what I mean? Locusts and wild honey living in the desert. Then you go to prison and he gets beheaded. That's rough. But sermon prep wasn't so bad because he had the same message every day for his entire ministry. And that is recorded in several places, but Matthew 3, 1, is, uh, 1 and 2 is where we're going to look at it. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying, get ready, get your lives right, because guess what? Something's about to happen. The kingdom of heaven is near. John came to prepare the way for the Lord. John came to say, Get ready, get your heart in the right place, repent, because the kingdom's about to show up. And then Jesus came, and He wanted us to pray. And His disciples asked Him, Jesus, how should we pray? And then He explained to them how they should pray. And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. And that's recorded in Matthew chapter 6. We're just going to read two verses of that. Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He teaches everyone to pray. Your kingdom come. Kingdom 
is a core part of Christianity. What is God trying to do? He is trying to establish His kingdom. Does it make sense for me to ask the question, what is God trying to do? Does God try to do things like how we try to do things? Like I'm trying to learn the song. You know, and maybe it's going to work and maybe it's not. Does God try? He's trying to establish His kingdom. Can He just like, bam, just do it, right? You know, like He's God. He can do anything. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's got everything at His disposal. Can He just... Say, kingdom be, and there's the kingdom. He did that with the stars. He did that to create the universe. It doesn't seem like, I mean, he didn't take the day off on, you know, the the seventh day because he was tired. You know, he just was done. And he was doing that for an example for us. Hey, take a day off, man. Um, Trying. Yeah, he's he's trying to establish his kingdom. Who does he want in his kingdom? Because, you know, he could just make a kingdom of puppets. Right? He just, bam, he could just make a kingdom of puppets. It'd be easy. Make a kingdom of robots. Bam. He doesn't want a kingdom of puppets. Our God is so awesome... He wants a kingdom populated by millions, maybe billions, I don't know, lots and lots and lots of intelligent, creative, free-willed beings made in His image. Intelligent. You're going to work with me on that? (laughs) Creative. Creative, that's one of the big ways that we're created in the image of God. We can make things that did not exist before. You can write a song that has never been. You can paint a painting that's never existed. You can design a tool or a piece of equipment Or you can build a home that's never existed before. You have creative capacity. You can bring something into being that no one else of all the billions of people has ever thought of. You've been made in the image of God creative. That's awesome. And free-willed. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you just want to do this instead of doing that. And you have to choose. And sometimes you override that thing and sometimes you yield to it. We have the capacity to choose. Here's the deal. Just to make it real simple. For God to establish His kingdom full of intelligent, creative, free-willed beings made in His image, those beings are going to need to cooperate. If they don't cooperate, the kingdom's not going to work. If they will cooperate, it'll go great. But for the kingdom to be established, 
the people need to cooperate with God. And there's where the problem lies, right? That's where the issue comes up. We need to cooperate with God. This morning, we are going to look at several attempts at establishing God's kingdom. And, it, you know, again, all right, I should, I should play that up better and get people on their theological edge. Here's what God tried to do, but that didn't work. Well, does God try things? That, it, this is not a surprise to him, right? I mean, he's, the, the amazing thing about God is he exists outside of time. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows everything. So none of this is a surprise to him. But I think for our benefit and for the necessity of it to develop the kingdom, different things had to happen. Because don't you ever think to yourself, God needs a better strategy. The strategy he's using isn't the best. I've got an idea. How about this? Like, for example, how about just we skip this and go straight to heaven? I mean, why do we have to put up with this mess? Why can't we just go straight to heaven? Right? Because this is a pain. We don't understand hardly anything. Stuff hurts. You know, you get sick. People die. This is a terrible place. Why not just skip it and go straight to heaven? Wouldn't that be a great plan? Let's just put the kingdom in heaven. Well, God tried that. And here's what happened. We're going to get a snippet of it from Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. This Revelation 12, 7 shakes me to the core of who I am. He says, and there was war in heaven. So God creates all these wonderful beings right in heaven. And this is what happened. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. One of the great things... about living, say, in the United States versus living in France is, boy, tanks haven't rolled through your yard, right? Like if you, if you live in other parts of the world, tanks roll through your yard when there's a war. You know, we send our guys a long ways away. Guys and gals now. Isn't heaven the safest place? in all of reality. And there was a war there. That's, that's a bigger deal than a tank coming through your backyard. A war in heaven. So this, this deal of why not just skip this didn't turn out so great. Do you know that war is still going on? But it's going on right here. It's going on on the earth right now. Because Satan is not done, and that third of the angels, who are demons now, they're not done either. They've been hurled down to the earth, and that war is going on right here. How you doing? 
Happy, happy to be alive today. It's a good day. Okay, so let's just put everybody in heaven. That didn't work. How about this one? How about we just start really small and simple without all this elaborate stuff. Let's have creative, intelligent, free-willed beings that just have a simple life. Food grows on trees. You know, there's one rule. They've got a wonderful personal relationship with God. You know, that's Adam and Eve, right? One, one, one rule. Don't eat that. You can do anything else. And Adam and Eve had a relationship with God that, man, I envy. My favorite example of that is when God had Adam name the animals. Talks about how God created everything and then he's hanging out with Adam. They're just chatting. And then God says to Adam, hey, you want to see something? And I was like, sure. He says, look at this. And a lion walks out. You know, and God says, hey, what do you want to call that thing? And I was like, oh, that's a lion. God's like, you're right, Adam. Good job. That is a lion. Well said. No, neat. You know, and they're hanging out. And he says, you want to see something else? And I was like, sure. You know, and a giraffe walks out. You know, and, that, and God's like, what do you want to call that? That's a giraffe. Like, good job, Adam. I mean, like, they're just hanging out and, and God is sharing the things he's created with Adam and Adam gets to name them and they just are, oh man, what a day. Did that work? And it wasn't long. The one rule got broken and it fell apart. And there was sin everywhere. Adam and Eve's sons, one killed the other one. It was a mess. Haven't you ever thought, God, why don't you just take out the bad guys? Why don't you just take them out? You know, don't you think that'd be a good plan? We've got bad guys. You can do anything. Just get rid of them. Well, that's Noah. Right? We got the flood. Okay, we got the bad guys. We're just going to kill them all. <laughs> We're going to put the good guys on a boat, all eight of them. Yeah. And they're going to float for a while, and everybody else is going to be dead. That's a little harsh. You know, they put that in like little baby rooms. You know, there's Noah. I always just think, you know, you know, they got the giraffes are smiling and all that. I just think, well, what about all the dead bodies? You know, I mean, we put, we'll put that, put that on the baseboard. You know, like, this is the most catastrophic event in, in, in human history, percentage wise, and it goes in baby rooms. You know, like, this is weird. I think different than other people. All right, so killing everybody didn't work. After, after that, it all, it all became a mess again. You know, it, with Noah's family, it was still a mess. Even when you take the good guys, it doesn't work. So, all right, rather than killing everybody, 
How about just take a super awesome man of faith who's connected with God, will obey God in anything, and I mean anything, and just pour into him and his family and just let the wheat and the tares grow together. Let's not kill everybody. Let's just have a special people. So that's Abraham. How'd that go? I'll make a long story short. They ended up in, in bondage in Egypt. They, you know, there's people getting sold off as slaves and there, you know, there's all kinds of mess there. They end up in bondage in Egypt. So this whole walking by faith thing with Abraham and pouring into the people of faith, that didn't work. So let's just tell them what to do. Right? Let's just give them a big list of rules and tell them what to do. They can't figure it out on their own. Let's just tell them. Well, that's Moses. Right? That's the law. That's most of the Old Testament. All the stuff. All the rules. Do this. You got mold in your house. Here's what you do. You know? All that stuff. Lots and lots of rules. Did that work? See, it's more complicated than you think, right? How about better leadership? All we, we need better leadership. You know, the people aren't very good at figuring out the things of God, and they got a bunch of rules, but they don't seem to be following them. They need a better, they need a better leader. They need a king. Well, that's King Saul. How'd that go? Not so great. We're going to read just a little bit from 1 Samuel to get an idea of what was going on there and what God's heart was in this situation. 1 Samuel 8, 4-9. through 9. Yep. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. So, that's a bummer. Samuel couldn't pass this on to his kids because they were bad guys. You know, bummer deal there. Um, now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. All the other countries have kings. We want a king. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. That's good. We'll leave it with that. Who did they reject as their king? God. They wanted a man and God wanted to establish His kingdom with Him as the king. Has that changed? Boy, we're in the same boat now, aren't we? God's trying to establish His kingdom. Who's the king of that kingdom? Not a man. It's God. They rejected God as their king. And the, and the guy that got put in there did what people do. Caused them lots and lots of problems. How about this? Let's try this. How about we give this chosen people a taste of what it's like to have their own land, to have their own kingdom, to be a godly nation, and then when they goof up, let's take it away as a consequence, but then we'll give it back to them, and then they'll know how great they had it. Let's do that. Have you done that with your kids? 
You know, like, well, you, you don't get to play your PlayStation now, you know, but you'll get it back after you clean your room. And, you know, you know, like, that sort of thing. It's just exactly that with the nation of Israel. Okay, yeah, you had your land. Now look what you've done. Hauled off to captivity. But come on back. Now they'll obey, right? Now they'll live for God. Now the kingdom will be established. That's Nehemiah and Ezra. How'd that go? Marginal. <laughs> you know, ah. this is more complicated than you think, isn't it? It's because people have to cooperate with God. And they tend not to. Have you noticed that in yourself? People tend to not cooperate with God. Who's smarter, you or God? If he says, hey guys, why don't we do this? Might he know <laughs> what the best thing would be? He does. So we should cooperate. What's left? We've gone through all these different things. What's left to try? Man, we're running out of ideas. I, I mean, here's, here's what's left. This is, a, this is a strange plan here. What's left is a baby in a manger that results in sinners going to heaven where that war was. We're going to take sinners and put them there because of a baby in a manger. How exactly does that work? Well, we'll find out next week. That'll be... <laughs> But now we're going to close. So I'm going to invite the prayer team up. <laughs> I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We're going to close. I got one more idea from Hebrews chapter 8. The common thread in all of these strategies, all of these things that God has done to establish his kingdom, the common thread is that the people just would not cooperate. It wasn't that God ever did anything wrong. It's that the people wouldn't cooperate. In Hebrews 8, 7 and 8, it says this, For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So this is talking about the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Wrong with the first covenant, the first covenant was God's idea. Does He make something that's wrong? That's a mistake. But God found fault with the people. Again, there was nothing wrong with the first covenant, but the people wouldn't cooperate. There was nothing wrong with the Garden of Eden. The people wouldn't cooperate. There's nothing wrong with heaven. But Satan and the demons wouldn't cooperate. We have a new covenant, though, that we can cooperate with, that we can say yes to. But you still have to do that. Even with the new covenant, if we don't cooperate with God, it's going to mess it all up.
I implore you, cooperate with God. He has a plan for your life. Cooperate with that plan. And He will bring you into His kingdom. I'm going to close. I'll open up the prayer time. If you need personal prayer, man, the prayer team is there. They've already prayed for you uh, as a group. I want to pray for you individually. Let's, uh, let's pray together, though, as we close. Heavenly Father, You are so good. Your plan is perfect. I'm sorry that we mess it up. Lord, help us to cooperate with You because You are so good and You are... You have such wonderful things in store for us if only we would just grab hold of what you got. That we would let go of our own uh, stubbornness and all those things that are going on. But just grab hold of you. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to walk in your ways. I pray a blessing over each one that's in this place right now. That your light would shine in our hearts so bright that it would overflow into our world. Help us to serve you the way you deserve because we know You've got a good plan. Father, I pray for those who will come up for prayer, that You would meet them right here and do a mighty work in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Come on up for prayer. Otherwise, say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.